Hello, welcome to Love and a Romance Podcast. Hey, I'm Kristen. And I'm Caitlin. And this is Love and the Wild Hero. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't have like a full caveman experience, but I do have one story. As you do. (laughs) (laughs) Which is just that my ex, who we'll just call him G, (laughs) and Kristen will know who I'm talking about, on our first date first date or second date maybe no no it was our second date we went to hang out at a park next to his house but he didn't want to go into his house so he just got out of the car and peed in the woods and then came (laughs) back and this is in seattle like not in a park just right right next to the highway with a bunch of buildings this is a really tenuous connection To the topic of wild <laughs> heroes in romance, which as we start to talk about what that means, means a lot more, if it even relates to dude pisses outside. <laughs> I mean, a lot of these guys do piss outside. Yes, I guess I was more thinking about how Seattle is home to like a lot of hikers, like uh, my single oh. friends. I'm like, okay, well, how single life going? Like, you know, and she's like, everyone hikes. Everyone fucking hikes. That's on everyone's dating Why is that profile. A no, it's, I think it's just like very, it's like everyone drives a Subaru and everyone fucking hikes. That's where they, that's on their profile. It's a picture of them on a mountain. Everyone's the same. There's a lot of flannel. There's a lot of like beards. Like this is the place where people like to be outdoors. Why I love it. Yeah, I was going to say, I like that better than when I lived in New York and it was like, everyone is a investment banker with a suit and a two No, I know. Grin. This, this place fits my husband very well, even though he sits in front of a computer all day and he's yeah. not like a wilderness man. He's got, he's got the whole... He does. Look going on. Yeah, he does. So does okay, yours. fine. Well, what's your fucking story? I don't have one, except that now that you have mentioned yours, I'm sure I can dig <laughs> one up. I don't know. My okay. husband recently taught my three-year-old to pee against a tree. <laughs> does that count? Like in your backyard? Yeah, or if we're at a park or something and we don't have a potty. I mean, so he's like, funny. he's tiny. He can't fucking boys. I know. I'm like, how lucky are you? And also you can teach him that I'm not involved because I don't know what, I don't know what's involved. No. Well, uh, I didn't appreciate that this happened (laughs) on a second date. Well, you went on a third, so. Oh my, I moved in with him. I mean, so yeah, like question your own uh, morals. I do question my, (laughs) I do question, I do question the standards that I had before I met my husband. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. So we're talking about wild heroes what does that mean caitlin (laughs) what does this theme it mean for romance normally (laughs) normally not just peeing in the woods but it is involved so (laughs) the reason we got onto the wild hero trope is because we love the virgin trope and often those two fine i love the virgin yeah i was like whatever that's not the reason i love this trope Um, but often those two intersect and that's what got me into it so we read a bunch of books we did a virgin hero episode a few months ago and we left some of these books out, which we could have discussed then. Yeah, so that's specifically because we knew this episode was coming. Right. So the wild hero trope in general is when you have a hero who is not part of society. They are typically living in the woods or they might be a literal caveman, which we'll talk about. And they are generally a recluse and somewhat uh, unfamiliar with modern 
day life or whatever the modern day life is in whenever the book takes place. I would say that's a very, it's a very generic description. Also, you know, I read some alien romance, which I'm going to talk about here. So I think it goes beyond the bounds of our world and just living in the woods. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I think a lot of it for me is a clash of cultures along with being a recluse, there being, you know, maybe a language barrier or usually I'm thinking of a grumpy hero or someone who's very silent. Like I can't think of any wild hero romances, hero romances I read where the hero comes in and he is all like, "Hey, <laughs> like no, but I wouldn't you know, say, really chatty." But I wouldn't say that the ones I read they're, that they're necessarily grumpy. I would say the ones I've read they're they're generally just very shy, shy or contemplative. Yes, because they spend all this time yes. alone thinking. Yes. There's their their so usually we're talking about the female heroine being the one who's in, you know in the mainstream whatever the mainstream is in that society and mm-hmm. so the hero is dealing with a lot of unknowns and often the hero- heroine is the one acclimating him to mainstream society or at least the person who's just interacting with him the most and so there's a lot of uh teach me vibes mm-hmm. where, but is opposed to the male teaching the female about sex or something like that or just about life it's the reverse situation which yeah. we deal which is a really big component of just sort of the virgin hero Well, this is why I love this trip, and it goes beyond what we talked about in the Virgin Hero episode, where, you know, this is the first time he's been with someone, and she's really showing him this beautiful thing that he's never gotten to experience, and that makes her so special to him. This takes us even further, where not only is she often the one showing him sex and intimacy, she's also teaching him other things about how the world works, or in one of the books I read, you know, he's a true caveman and she's teaching him different ways to do things that she knows about because she's in modern society. Like, these books just really take that to the next level. So if you like books where the heroine is sort of this savior of the hero. This guide. Yeah, this guide for the hero. These are these are books for you. Well, so I was not attracted to these books for the virgin hero concept. Like, I like that, but we all know you really like that. For me, I love a wild hero because it for me the wild hero takes the the caveman persona to the extreme. Oh, the possessive. The possessive and the oh. alphaness. And that's not the case for every yeah, wild hero romance, but a lot of them deal with an alpha possessive dominant hero even if they don't even if they're dealing with a language barrier or a culture barrier, there is still, or the, and the female is maybe teaching and acclimating him to whatever her mainstream is, there is still, he's still a pretty powerful personality and there's like a wildness to him and that often translates to the bedroom, hey? That's so interesting because I don't, the books that I really liked in this trope, the hero's not super possessive. I mean, hmm. they do have this feeling of like, you are my person and you're, meant to be with me and we're supposed to be mates often just using the word mates straight up but they're not like a super alpha possessive character i would say that you know there's a the possessive probably i i think the alpha is more carries through than the possessive because i think possessive can be a lot of different there's like a spectrum right there's like you're my fated me and then there's like i'm gonna punch someone who's touched you yeah and so not necessarily do i love like, not, not every book I read was, like, the fully possessive hero, but there is a possessiveness component usually tied with, like, a mate situation, yeah. for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
One thing I thought was really interesting is this like faded mates idea, even though most of the books you read aren't paranormal. The men in a lot of these books, if they're truly in the wild, do have this concept of mates because they get their information from animals. Yeah. And when they meet the woman, I found in a couple books, they're kind of instantly like, oh, she smells really good and she is my mate. And then when they actually do get intimate, they're like, oh, she smells amazing. I don't think it's necessarily normal for somebody to like, you know, send somebody's arousal and be like, this is what my mate smells like. Okay, but you know what? (laughs) That happens in so many romance books that aren't even paranormal or like alien or anything or wild hero. What does that they say they they either like scent arousal. I've seen that in like well, normal, no, never, and also thing. just like sniffing each other. Like you know, like the woman like leans in to give the man a hug and she like inhales his scent and he smells like. Well, whatever. I do that like to my husband all the cedar time. Cedar and musk and I don't know whatever. I mean, I don't name it, but I do <laughs> smell my husband all the time. Um, no, but it, but this is like a very specific thing where they'll get down there and they'll be like, oh, I'm now very close to your parts and uh you smell like mine like it's like a weird actually i'm really glad you brought that up because one of the, the bonus read i'm going to talk about that doesn't completely fit with this trope but i'm talking about it anyway has that exact thing yeah, where the, the female too. actually sends so much that like other men other males cannot be around her because they will be like Oh, I want that. Like it's Whoa. it's crazy. Yeah. yeah, I don't know with all these men with really good senses of smell. Oh, I know. I can't smell that shit. I, yeah, me neither. It's wild. It's wild. It's the it's wild, wild hero. Hey. Um, okay. Yeah. And what I also like about this trope is it can really take a lot of forms. I mean, we're talking about contemporary. We're talking about paranormal or alien. There's romantic suspense involved. Yeah. I mean, it really is more of a framework than. A trope. Yeah, it really is a framework more than a trope, or or it's an archetype. Of a character, mm-hmm. like a character type um, specifically. And, you know, the only thing I really didn't see was I didn't see any female, like I didn't see the reverse, a female cave woman type. Yeah, I guess I didn't specifically look for that. No, we didn't look for that. But I actually found and had enough trouble finding books on this one. Like Same. we have a lot of books to discuss, but usually I have to narrow down what I want to read for an episode. Yeah. And I kind of like reached near the edges of what I could find, like, immediately. Yeah, I found a lot of recluse heroes. Yeah. But not a lot of wild heroes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I, so going back to, like, the wild element, I mean, yes, there's recluse, but I think that separation from society, or in the case of a paranormal or alien, like, obviously the alien is in their own society and, like, functions fine and knows all about that, but it's, the you know, the quote-unquote other of the female and sort of like navigating that intersection and how you get across that. Yeah. Well, I think it's also interesting because to get to a happy ending in these books, it really does have to be a compromise. I mean, it's not, in none of these books is the ending like, I'm going to take, you're going to come to the big city with me. And that's just like how it's going to be. I do see the reverse where the female stays with the man in his whatever limited resource world he lives in. I did see that in a couple books. Oh, interesting, but you didn't see the men coming. Yeah. I didn't see the men coming fully uh, into the city. And I then saw I saw that. some books with compromise where it's like, okay, we're going to end up and we're going to buy a house on a bunch of property with woods. And so you're not really going to have to, you're still going to live in nature, but a town's 20 minutes away, you know? Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know why, I never thought about that before. I don't know why 
It'd be interesting to see one, but I don't, but I don't, I think it'd be disingenuous to say that that's necessarily a happy ending because I don't think you can, I think it'd be hard to take somebody who's lived in the wild for 30 years and then say, we're going to put you in New York city, you know, or like Boston or something. Yeah. Also, this is an unrelated point, but I'm sort of scanning through your notes and you mention in one of your book summaries here that the heroine introduces him to more modern things like oral sex and it was kind of going back i saw that in like multiple books yeah specifically oral sex yeah well yeah because in a lot of the books whatever the culture is is they just talk about mating and mating is very formulaic and like how the animals do it yes who don't have sex for pleasure really and kissing as well kissing is in yes and in in a way of like we just don't do that yeah. i've never done that yeah and that really does take the virgin hero to like another yeah another level well yeah because it's not even that you they don't even know about it yeah it's whereas a virgin hero them. at least typically you kind of know what you're missing mm-hmm. or know about what you're missing mm-hmm. yeah so before we move on to the books what are you wearing on your nails this week i am wearing nomad's dream by opi and it is a shiny peaches peach pink iridescent color it's nice. really nice these are the most on point nail colors you think that we've had i well, still think we don't even need to use a different meaning for them i mean they just they're very ostensibly wild hero nail <laughs> colors. <laughs> okay yes what are you wearing i am wearing force of nature and it is a steely dark blue or just a it's dark a gray blue? it's a what? i'd say it's a pretty solid this is a blue deep gray what you're blind it's oh my God. clearly okay. a gray. Well, look at our Instagram and tell us what you think. <laughs> of all things to pull the audience, what I'm, color I'm adding a is pole. Caitlin wearing <laughs> on her nails? You just need to look at it in the sunlight, not this dark cave we are in to record. It still looks blue to me. <laughs> okay. Let's talk about some books. Yeah. Starting out with Savage by Mia Sheridan. For those of you who've listened to our Virgin Hero episode, you'll remember that Mia Sheridan wrote Archer's Voice, which is one of our top romance reads probably ever and it is a virgin hero romance savaged is a wild virgin hero romance and it's about harper and lucas so lucas has been living in the woods basically his whole life he was kidnapped as a child and you don't really get the full story till the end but basically it's clear that he's in some sort of experiment and he is has been forced to live in the woods and fend for himself he actually does live in like a one-room cabin that he found effectively and he does have communication with one man but that man ends up dead and lucas is a suspect in a double homicide so he gets taken in at the beginning of the book to the police station here he meets harper harper is a wilderness guide and she's brought in to help with the investigation of the murders because she really knows the area and these murders happened in the woods where lucas lives so This book is narrated by Lucas, Harper, and the sheriff, who occasionally comes in and has some information to shed some different background. I really liked this one because it's very, it's like a very quintessential romance hero, like he, or wild hero. He truly is a wilderness man. He basically grew up with a wolf pup who was his companion, and he had limited contact with this guy, but this guy who you know, was his contact growing up, basically told him that the outside world wasn't safe, that he shouldn't leave the woods, that, you know, he should run away from other people. And so he has really been taught that the outside world is not a safe place for him and that he needs to stay away from people and be a recluse. So there's a lot of 
push and pull when he first meets Harper because he, you know, he's obviously drawn to her right away, but he's got to sort of come to trust her and trust the outside world. And he slowly integrates into it with her help. So this is one of those books where he's like, you smell like my mate. And it's like, this is like, <laughs> he like has this concept of like mating. It's really cute. I forgot. Does, do they know he's there the whole time? Like that? And like they come, they come find him because they think he's a murder suspect, right? No, I think he's in the woods with his bow and arrow and they, the sheriff like, okay. sees him. Okay. And I think the, the victims were shot with arrows. Okay. And okay. They died. Gotcha. So they think and they like follow did. him back or whatever. Right. So this reminds me, this is the initial setup, a lot of Lotus by Jennifer Hartman. Oh, such a good book. Which we'll, we're going to save for our Jennifer Hartman specific spotlight episode. But that also has a hero that was kidnapped and locked away and, and didn't leave and, and like didn't leave out of fear yeah. that of whatever was outside in the world and whatever his kidnapper told him was about and like has to re-enter society yeah. afterwards and thinks everything is dangerous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it definitely has that. This is a big trigger warning, though, for pup death. It's like the worst trigger I, warning I know. ever. And I think a lot of people won't read it because of that. But, I mean, it's... I definitely cried when that happened. Like, well, it's his best friend. And you have a low bar for tears. Oh, okay, but a dog dying? I mean, it's... No, a I mean, I would cry, too. Yeah, it's... Because you see their whole friendship. I mean, he, like, saves the pup's okay, life. Okay, don't make people, like, run away from it yet. <sighs> no, it's a really good book, you guys. You should read it. But, like, <laughs> that was really tough for me. Just so you know. That's yeah. Okay. I remember liking this one a lot. And I remember it being, I mean, it is a romantic suspense though. So I remember there yes. being like a lot of, I tend to think of romantic suspense books as having have a little bit more plot and like, because you have to build the mystery on top of the romance. Yeah. And so there, you know, there's a lot going on, sort of a lot you need to keep track of. Yeah. It's definitely way more plot than porn, although it is steamy, but I really like the development of the story and the suspense. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Transcendence by Shay Savage. This is a self-published novel. What else did Shay Savage write that we've read? She wrote, oh shoot, we talked about it during our beach episode. That, um, when we oh, talked about Surviving Rain. Surviving Rain. Yes, that's yes, where I Which know is the and you read shipwrecked hero and heroine. Right. Yes, yeah, I read that one. We okay. talked about that. Yes, so this is another book by Shay Savage. This is a caveman Legit. <laughs> Legitimate caveman, modern woman romance. Paranormal. It, uh, no. Because there's, paranormal. isn't there time travel? Well, you don't learn that until the end. How yeah. else would you? I know. Well, I was very confused. I didn't know time. that that was saved to the end. That's how I have known about this. Oh, okay. Like, well, I already knew this about this novel from just people talking oh, about it. Oh, I didn't it. know that. I was glad that she wrote, it's in the epilogue that you figure out how the main, the heroine got to be oh, okay with okay where yeah he i was. don't but know that yes part. there is time travel but it, you can probably guess that based on her clothing and the fact that he's a fucking caveman who can't speak or understand language but yeah anyway so ed is the hero and then be or elizabeth but he can only say be because he can't really <laughs> say full words this is a male only point of view <laughs> yes also. male only point of view which i didn't know going into it i also didn't know until about a few chapters in that he literally couldn't understand language because he doesn't have Broca's area, which is the part of the brain associated with the comprehension of verbal and nonverbal language. Oh, when you said he has no language. Like, oh, no, yeah. I didn't, like, he's I didn't, so, it's so far back in the yeah, past that, like, he's not, even... Or, she calls him something else. Wait, let me see. It's in the little pro. Is she, also, she, like, an anthropologist or something? No, she, at the end of it, was like, um, neurologists are going to hate me. Yeah, she says at the end of the author's note, if this doesn't make sense or you happen to be a neurologist and you're mumbling BS under your breath, just remember, 
I'm muttering. Artistic license. Um, <laughs> she says, Broca's area is what allows you to understand English and use sign language to communicate across the room or even play Pictionary. So Ed is a completely fictitious form of a human-like primate. We'll call him a homo savage, who's pretty much exactly like modern humans, except he lacks Broca's area in his brain. So okay. this is not... It's a made-up. It's a made-up somewhere in between like Neanderthal and Neanderthal and Homo sapien, effectively. Okay. So that's, I didn't know that until I was like, oh, he's going to teach him English. They're going to... No, they can't communicate at all. The only learn, words he learns through the whole book are his name, sound, her name, sound, kiss, because he knows he gets a kiss if she sa- if he says it. <laughs> and then he, she sort of teaches him the word love, but like he doesn't understand what that word means. She just says it and he repeats it. And so the whole book is told from his perspective. It starts out when he finds this woman wearing jeans and a sweater in his trap for animals. He's totally alone, alone because he was separated from his tribe a few years ago, I think. And he's pretty much hit a wall. I mean, he's like depressed. He's alone. There's days he's thought about just not continuing on and surviving. And then he meets this woman immediately is like, this is my mate. I have found my mate. And then is mates a thing in his society? Yeah. I mean, this is like, this is supposed to be like true historical, like caveman. Like he is a caveman. So that all that stuff. Taking it all the way back. All the way back. And his narration is like, this is my mate. I need to put a baby in her. I need, like, this is the whole point. I need to keep her safe. I need to put a baby in my mate. I mean, the number of times this man says he's putting a baby in his mate is, like, <laughs> it's got to be, like, a hundred times. So this is a little bit of, like, breeding porn, too. Breeding porn? Yeah, yes, I guess so. Yeah. I guess so, which isn't my favorite thing, to be honest. But anyway, <laughs> I, I had trouble with this book. I think it's good. I think it's it got a good reviews. Like, it's well done. I have a really hard time with the fact that they just can't communicate because – that's the other thing she'll he's constantly as a narrator is like she's making all this noise it's really annoying it's giving me a headache i'm like bitch is talking to you <laughs> like <laughs> she is trying to communicate something and Not you are just stereotype an entire gender <laughs> but like maybe modern men man does that too um it takes it to an extreme but yeah and then uh and they basically have to navigate this world together i mean she realizes that she's in this time with him he's protecting her he does you know he never she he learns the word no that's the other word he learns so you know he doesn't sleep with her until she's ready for him to a lot of that like true caveman alpha like this woman is mine and she's my mate happens but it's it feels it doesn't feel like toxic like it does when you see it in like modern day you know motorcycle gang or something like he's 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 somewhere between human and primate and this is his mate and that is just how it works so yeah, it was really interesting. I, again, like, had trouble getting into the romance or, like, feeling connected because of the lack of communication. But it was really sweet, and it's it was cool to see. It's, like, very different from anything I've ever read. This book is constantly mentioned online as being, like, up there as, like, one of, like, a fan favorite. And so it's interesting to hear your take on it. Yeah, I mean, I, I read some reviews, and I think a lot of people were like, yes, my caveman. Like, I love this, <laughs> like love can be, you know, love doesn't have to use words. I'm like, for me, it kind of does. <laughs> so it's, I'm not the intended audience of this, but, but yeah, I thought it was really well done. Really interesting. I really liked learning more at the end about how this actually happened. I kind of wish there was more of that because I think hearing it from Elizabeth's side would have been really interesting. Yeah. Something that, you know, I haven't read this book yet and something that has not thrown me off of it, but like, I don't, I think I've read very, very few male only perspectives Mm -hmm. 
And I can see why it makes sense for this novel because you're talking about such a huge, not only language, but cultural barrier between the characters and to just see it from one side. But do you wish you had had the female perspective kind of throughout like alternating? Well, I wish I did only because it was hard for me to put myself in her shoes to Mm -hmm. feel like she does at one point start saying that she loves him. So, and I'm going to trust that, you know, if she's communicating that to him, that the female character really believes that. But I had a really hard time putting myself in her shoes, you know, at some point. Which I think we do naturally as readers, especially in romance. Yes. Well, at some point she has a chance to go home to her time and she doesn't take it. And I mean, there's already... you can expect there's going to be like kids involved if there's breeding porn in this but she doesn't take the opportunity to go back and i think that was i was like what fuck not you're gonna have right you didn't have you didn't have that internal dialogue of like really her going through the no exactly exactly um for me i was like you're gonna go through the pain of childbirth again in this caveman era where you can't get an epidural like what do you what's (laughs) happening (laughs) and you could like very easily die i know that was the other thing i was like you you probably would die if you had this many kids at this in this time so that was hard for me to wrap my head around but yeah for anybody who's looking for like a true wild hero caveman thing like this is like the quintessential book for that because it's truly truly that i was gonna say the other one i just read reread oh that's why i was thinking of shay savage i also just reread win some lose some which is also totally male point of view and it is a neurodivergent main male character but not a wild hero no not a no, wild just hero. A, but a male only point of view uh, male virgin too yeah okay yeah. but i really like that book i don't think it's it's not own voices i think that she did research um for it but yeah okay well i'm gonna take us somewhere between transcendence caveman and savage contemporary kidnapping victim to a book called Love in the Wild by Emma Castle. This is a Tarzan and Jane retelling, and it takes place mostly in the jungle of Uganda. So, you know, we should have probably done this on our retelling episode, but I'm glad we saved it for here. Our characters are Eden and Thorn. So Thorn is our quote-unquote Tarzan. It's a cute name for... Yeah. The book actually starts with Eden being held at gunpoint by some people in Uganda. She's a photographer for a national park magazine. The people who are with her, these sort of evil men, decide to kill her as well. She sort of lasts down the line. But just as they're about to, the local Ugandans that they're with start saying something about the pale ghost coming. And these you know evil men that are not from Uganda are saying, like, what the hell are they talking about? And in comes Thorn, who quickly eliminates the man with the gun to Eden's head and sort of takes everyone else down. And then he takes Eden and she is like, okay, why am I suddenly all over your shoulder? Like really quickly. And he escapes with her into the jungle and eventually takes her all the way up a tree into like this tree house that's hidden from the, the forest floor and just puts her up there and then leaves. What? So the book then, (laughs) yeah, right. The book then sort of backs up, and you get a little bit more of Thorne's history. So this is mostly for Caitlin's benefit, since she doesn't apparently not remember this story, and and obviously it could be a little bit altered for this book. But Thorne actually comes from a family who were flying over Uganda. Their plane crashed, and they all ended up surviving. His mother, father, and him. But at some point, they run into trouble with other men who are in the jungle, and those men shoot his parents down. Hmm. And then they don't know what to do with the kid, so they leave him in the plane alone, <gasps> the remnants of the plane, and he's only three or four, maybe. He might be a little bit older, I can't recall. And a gorilla comes by, 
and sort of immediately identifies him as a child that she wants to care care for so this this story has like you have to suspend your reality a little bit there's a little mysticism in it you sort of it's told from third person perspective but like you get the perspective of the from the gorilla at one point and she basically takes him in to his as part of his family and he has an adoptive brother and so this is how thorn grows up gorilla brother yeah this is how thorn grows up until you know he's in his early 20s and he knows he's different from his gorilla family he kind of recalls when he can think about it the word gorilla but not really but otherwise he hasn't been using human language and he has been mimicking a lot of what the gorillas have been doing which includes like walking on his hands um, which he can't do very easily, obviously, because he's not physically built for it. But he he really is a wild man in the sense that he has been living with these animals for, I don't know, like 15 years at that point or something like that. And so this quote-unquote pale ghost that the locals are aware of center around him not only being, you know, this man coming out of the jungle, but like he appears wild, he acts wild, he acts very unhuman. This sounds amazing, and I'm keeping the, the hard <laughs> yeah. keeping the paperback. Yeah, so so that's the, the bit of the backstory. But they have a really beautiful relationship. There is definitely a communication barrier. But can he say like any human words or no? It starts to come back to him, and this is why I can't recall how old he is. I, he must be older than a toddler because he definitely has like some language skills, and he does end up actually picking up communication like rather quickly in a probably not realistic scenario but like i said suspend reality a little bit eden on the opposite side is a very sweet heroine we have a virgin hero story here which means you will definitely love it and there's also some steam it's not overly descriptive but there's definitely steam in this novel so they have to obviously deal with each other she has to reconcile the fact that she was kidnapped and she gets to know this hero and then figure out why he's there and whether he should be coming back to england where his family is. I mean, part of the perspective you get is actually from his uncle in England who was like, oh, it's the anniversary of my brother There's always a fucking uncle in, like, Another book I'm going to talk about. Two two other books I read. Oh, really? There's an uncle who's, like, in civilization. (laughs) Yeah. I was going to ask, is it does it mostly take place in the wilderness or does it mostly take place in England? They do go back to to England. But I think you'll enjoy it. It ends up being very sweet, but they also have to, you know, there's dangerous people in the forest and all that. And also it's about Thorne kind of having, he already has this like found family, even though they're gorillas. And I mean, he's gonna have to, he loves them too, while he also wants to rejoin society. Oh my yeah. God. It's, it's very sweet and it's good and it's a good retelling. Yeah. I just love humans and their animals. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is an animal appreciation yeah. episode as much as it is a wild oh, hero man. episode. Oh man. <laughs> okay. That's on my list. Okay. Anything else you want to say about that one? No, no, move on. Okay, the next book I'm going to talk about, I love this book. I reread it for this because I love it so much, and it's amazing. It's called Unloved by Kate Regnery, and it is a wild hero romance about Cassidy, our hero, who has been living in the wilderness since he was, I think, 8 or 10 years old. He's now close to 30, and he started, quote-unquote, living quiet, because when he was eight years old, his dad was found out to be a serial killer. And Cassidy and his mom thought that, like, did a bunch of research into brain science and DNA 
and discovered that being a murderer is kind of a DNA trait or can be. And Cassidy decided that to protect other people and to make sure that he never hurt anyone and acted on those DNA like impulses, he would basically make himself a recluse. So he lived in the woods in this cabin with his mom and his grandfather for a really long time. Then his mom passed away when he was little, and then his granddad passed away a few years ago. So for the last couple of years, he's been totally alone. He doesn't like he wants to connect with people, but he won't let himself get close to anyone because he's afraid that suddenly he'll want to hurt people and he'll be like his dad. He just has this really deep-seated fear of hurting people and being a bad guy. Bryn is our heroine. She lost her fiance, I think, two years ago in a shooting, a mass shooting, which I thought was very modern. Uh, <laughs> And like very American way to die. So she's been grieving for the last two years. She basically doesn't leave her house. She doesn't go see anybody. She still thinks about it all the time. Obviously, I would never put like a time limit on people's grief, but she basically comes to the determination herself that she needs to move on. So she goes on this hiking trip at his favorite mountain, and she's going to bury his cell phone, which she still has that he had on him when he died and that he was like texting her with. So she goes to this mountain. This is in the woods where Cassidy lives. She goes up on the trail and there's this really weird guy who's sort of following her and these other hikers she falls in with. She separates from the hikers because they're all going to go down because of the weather. She ends up running into this really weird guy again and he stabs her and is basically going to kill her. Cassidy shows up because he hears her scream. He saves her from this man and then he's afraid of going straight down to the police station because they're going to ask a bunch of questions and he's afraid they're going to think he did it because she might not remember or she might die. So instead of taking her there, he hikes her seven miles back to his cabin and he lets her convalesce in his cabin and takes care of her. And she's got to be there for about a month because she was like fucking stabbed a bunch of times and he's like (laughs) patches her up, but she can't, there's, there is either hiking out or taking like an ATV, which is very bumpy. So there's, No real way for her to get out until she's fully healed. And so he hasn't really been around another human since his granddad died. He's never been physically intimate. And he doesn't want her to know about his past because he's afraid of it. So it's like a very, he's very guarded with her at first. And then he doesn't want to fall in love with her because he knows he can't keep her because he knows he's afraid that, you know, someday that love will turn into hate and he'll, you know, do something to her, hurt her. But she basically proposes like, let's just have sex for a couple weeks while I'm here before I'm healed and then we'll go our separate ways and like there won't be any emotional intimacy and it'll be fine so they do start having an, an intimate relationship and then have to navigate what that looks like and you know what he's comfortable with and and how they can move forward when he thinks that there's this really bad thing living in him that could come out I will say I don't I don't know how realistic the whole like murder gene thing is I didn't look into that so I can't speak on that um but I thought it was really well done in general. I love this book. This really does go on the fringes of the wild hero trope, right? Because he's like acclimated mm. to society. He's mm. been living with his... He doesn't know what a computer is. Okay. I mean, okay. he like, he doesn't have a phone. Like, So it's the 80s. I mean, yes, he's not. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's not like literally living in a fucking cave. Yeah. But he's... It's kind of as much of a wild hero as like savaged. Well, yeah. it's a little bit... Eh. It's a little bit less wild here than Savaged, but it's like, if you still want to be comfortable, <laughs> but you want a wild hero, this is the book for you. You know you what I mean? You don't want to go, like, all the way like, back Like, he has a to, bathroom, but it's a composting to toilet, you know? She's not peeing <laughs> literally in the woods in his place, 
but she's not flushing either. You know what I mean? That's Already like... an upgrade from your second date with Keith. <laughs> <laughs> His apartment was right there. Just go inside. To... I was a second date. Come on. Come on. Maybe he wanted you to, you know, check out the equipment. I wasn't, I, I wasn't, even, it's not like he pulled, whipped it out in front of me and was like, hey, look at this. That would have been really weird then if you had continued to date him. Yes, it would in. have. Still question my choices regardless. <laughs> anyway, next book. Yeah, so this book that I'm going to talk about, I came to, I think, right after I had read Savage and Unloved, because after I read Savage, I too was like, this is amazing, and I need to find these wild heroes, and it drove me to Unloved, and then I found this. This book is called Uncivilized by Sawyer Bennett. I will say that I don't love the title, right? Because this book actually deals with a a male hero who was in an Amazonian tribe. And so I don't love those associations with like those people are uncivilized and heroine is from modern day America. And so they're civilized. We'll say that the, the way the female approaches it is not like that. Okay, so that's more like what some people in society... Well, and, and even it. some of like the more evil characters in the book talk about him being uncivilized. I also... This is a very... But the, but the main characters don't subscribe to no, that. Okay, no, okay. not at all. Cool. This also definitely is on the end of like the erotic romance spectrum. So I think the uncivilized also has a lot of... A lot to do with like how he approaches sex, which I will talk about. So our main characters are Moira and Zacharias, or Zach. Zach has been living with an Amazonian tribe for 18 years. He came to the jungles of the Amazon when he was only seven. His parents were missionaries. And when he was eight, so they were, you know, staying down in the Amazon because the missionaries were, were bringing, like, medical care and, like, preaching and things like that, his parents died. And the tribe, he had been staying with decided like he could stay with them and become integrated into their tribe and they're in a very very remote place so this is a tribe that doesn't really have contact with the outside world their contact at that time were his parents so there's not really anywhere they can bring him so dr moira is uh, dr moira reed is an anthropologist she is hired by, I'm pretty sure, Zach's uncle. So this should be called Love and Wild Heroes and Uncles. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure it's his uncle. Moira is sent down to rescue him, essentially, because I forget what, what the reason is, but for, for whatever reason, they don't know that he's down there or didn't think he was alive, and somehow they find out. And oh. so she goes with a few other folks because she needs escorts to go because like I said they're very in a very very remote place they head down there and basically want to come and and integrate him back into American society at the behest of his uncle who's of course like a millionaire you know someone who has lots of resources so when she first meets Zach he is as I said very integrated with the tribe this is a tribe that fully embraces nudity and also fully embraces sex in public And the way it works in their society is that women are completely submissive until they take, you know, sort of a, until the men take a single wife, any of the single women are sort of up for grabs for for any man. And it's seen as like a sign of fortune if a man chooses to have sex with her. And they have sex in a very dominant slash submissive way with the woman pushed onto the ground and the man behind her and this is the only way they have sex that's the same thing in um transcendence he's like the only he's like 
it's like the way the animals do well, yeah, it. Well, yeah, yeah. put it, a baby in her by her being on her hands and knees and me being behind. Yes. And then she's like, how about no? Yeah. This Except is... he just hears noise. <laughs> <laughs> You're really hung up on the language <laughs> barrier thing. But yes, yes. It does really mimic animals, so yeah. it sort of makes sense in a way. Yeah. But the first time she sees him, you know, she obviously recognizes him because everyone in that society is pretty short. And he's like, you know, like six five or something, like a white man, like fully like nude and then like with like a crazy beard and like hair but like probably piercing blue eyes i don't know and he like takes one of the women in the tribe who's like single and pushes on the ground and starts to have sex with her and she's like totally content but he's like looking at moira and she's like what the fuck is this shit and like she's sitting around a fire and like trying to look like does anyone else see this like this is bizarre and he's staring at me but also so erotic and i'm kind of turned on i don't know what to do with this so they, the, this group of folks, including Moira, take him back to the U.S. And Zach does not want to go, but they somehow convince him because the tribe is his family. And he ends up moving in with Moira at first because he doesn't want to go right to see his uncle so that she can start to acclimate him. She's an anthropologist, so she's teaching him even things about how to eat at a dinner table. You know, how to go to the food store and pick out food, how to cook. But she also teaches him at his begging about sex. Hmm. Naturally. Like I said, this is a... She really takes her job seriously. She does take her job seriously. (laughs) Yeah. I Gosh, I can't... I won't go divulge, like, the first interaction, but it's crazy and probably, like, one of the hottest things I've ever read in my life. So, like I said, very, and definitely an erotic romance. Are you downloading right now? Oh, Caitlin's making some very, uh, (laughs) she's tapping her phone very insistently. (laughs) I think I had to buy this one, so. You did, that's not really it. But you should just read the sample and then keep going if you want. But, yeah, so this, this is, um, this is definitely a wild man in the sense of there being a kind of separation from, quote unquote, mainstream, like, conventional European U.S. society and he's pulled out of that as well he's pulled out of his tribe and pulled into this new culture and but this is also a case where he's not a virgin right he's not a virgin hero right but he doesn't know he only has sex one way so there's a whole world of things he does not know about and one of those is like women's pleasure and you know that is such a thing oh I forgot to mention that that is such a theme in all these books yeah like whoa oh you can have that too oh (laughs) Cool. Yeah. Now you got to show me how to do it because I don't know how to work with this. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So that's definitely in there. But yeah, this is a great book. It's it's definitely a little kinkier, like I said, erotic, but he's a fully wild hero in the bedroom too. (laughs) Nice. Nice. I love it. Okay. Fall by Claire Kent. We have talked a lot about Claire Kent. She came up in our mm. Apocalypse episode. Mm-mm. I think I also mentioned... You mentioned in like a Field of Love... Fri- no, is that where you mentioned Hold? You didn't do that in an Apocalypse episode. When no, did you do that? No, we've mentioned Holds. I think I did it in the, fi- in the Field of Love Friday episode yeah. a few weeks ago. Everything Claire Kent writes is great, so read all of her shit. This is a in the, in the same series as The Prison Planet that we previously talked about. What is that book called? The, the first one's called Hold, and Oh, this right, is right. the third of the series, and it's called Fall. Okay, so this is the third book in the series. First one is Hold. This is Fall. This is another prison-type planet, but it's not actually a prison. It's just a very... It's a planet that's sort of stuck in the past, in, like, caveman times, 
and she gets dropped here. I forget what her crime, her purported crime is, but she basically gets dropped on this planet. Oh, so she's done something. Yes, she is on the run from something. Or she's, like, been arrested for something, but they just put people on planets, and okay. they're like, go fend for your fucking self, you'll probably die. Um, <laughs> that's this a way planet, to, you know, take care of a... Exactly. I mean, when you have all these planets to just throw people on, who needs, it's who a needs lot actual more, prisons? It's a lot more environmentally friendly, if right? you think about it. A lot less expensive, too. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> advocating for prison planets in the future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she basically shows up on this planet. There's a bunch of tribes. She almost gets killed or taken by somebody, and then these other guys from another tribe show up. They save her. She is like getting berries or something, and shows them these berries they can eat. So they they take them with her, or they take her with them, but they don't speak her language. She doesn't know how to communicate with them. And she's sort of on the fringes of this tribe for a while because she's not mated to any of them. So she, you know, helps the women do their chores and she gets like the shittier food of the bunch. And then she has to sort of navigate this. Eventually, she and this other tribe member, Roan, realize that they're attracted to each other. In this society, she has to kind of choose him and show him that she's interested. So there's other women that are like throwing themselves at Roan every night and he's not doing anything about it. And then she finally shows him that she wants him, and so they get together, and she becomes his mate. And this is another one where, like, she shows him about oral sex, and, like... Is he human? Yes, they're all human. They're um, just stuck in a... Yeah, they're just, like, they were they were put on this planet so long ago that they don't have any modern, like, language okay. or anything. They have, they have a language, but she has to sort of learn it, and it's, like, very simple words. It's not, like, complex sentences. This is another one where they have sex in public. Seems to be a thing with tribes. Not an anthropologist. Don't know how realistic that is. But they all live in a big cave together, and they just have sex uh, around everybody else. Is it like an orgy situation? Or no, just no, no. It's just like it's just like you can hear other people doing it okay. when they do it. And mm-hmm. then there's also when you have a baby, you know that reminds me. Do of that in the cave too. <laughs> the Woodstock '99 documentary. I know. <laughs> I, just, okay. I just watched it, and the people they interviewed the people who were working at it, and they were like, "Yeah, there was so much debauchery, like on I think on like the second night, and like everyone like ecstasy was just floating around." They were like, "Yeah, people were just having sex in public." There was like a couple people like against a wall, and just like a line of people coming up behind them, like it was crazy. So wow. this book or Woodstock '99, public um, sex. Okay, that was <laughs> an interesting connection that you made. <laughs> Not less interesting <laughs> than the one you first made to open this Listen, podcast. I feel like we always need to have a story. Okay, so this is an example happen. of the wild. There, none of them are heroes. They yeah. cause a riot. Yeah, the wild alpha males of 1999. Okay. Anyway, setting fire. Oh, I didn't even say. Did I say her name? Lena. Lena's the one stuck on okay. this planet. Roan is the tribe man that she falls in love with. She actually has a chance to leave the planet and then doesn't. All these women. I know. I'm like, honey, no epidurals. Let's talk about <laughs> no it. No penicillin. Let's think about your choices. <laughs> this takes me back to the time travel episode when we were talking about what was the time you wouldn't live before. I know. Before Soap penicillin? and penicillin. Yeah. Like, this is just like, there's a line. I need my hand sanny. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds really good. I mean, I just haven't gotten around to it, but obviously yeah, I, I mean, love her stuff. I, it seems like it would be very from, similar to hold because it's the same yeah. kind of like have to find the man to but is it a isn't it exchange an exchange of sex for protection or is it a little bit past that and a little bit more towards the mates she does get benefits for being a mate so that's 
that's something. What I think is interesting, though, is that it's not like men are mated forever. They can choose somebody else. Okay. So she's feeling... There's one point where there's another younger woman in the tribe who's sort of... She's already mated to him, and then this other younger woman is, like, getting up on him, and he's not doing anything about it. And she's like, what the fuck? You're an asshole. And she has one friend in the tribe who's also been dropped on this planet, so he speaks her language, and they communicate. And he's like, you need to go show them that he's your man, like... In this society, it's not his job to push another woman away. It's your job to, like, claim him. So I thought that was really interesting. Hmm. Yeah, it was really good. Obviously, it's cooking. It's so good. Yeah. Okay. We're, um, we're taking more. a little bit more into the alien universe. I know you've heard of this one. Ice Planet. I've heard of it, but I've never read it. Ice Planet Barbarians. I feel like this is very popular. It's very popular, yes. And I, I just, I finally read it, you know, after I went on my whole Morning Glory milking farm. <laughs> exploration uh from a discussed it a previous feel of friday not something i ever thought i would read i was just like fuck it let's just like talk let's just go read all the ones that people talk about all the time no matter how uh, you know whatever <laughs> so <laughs> ice planet barbarians is the name of the first book it's also the name of the series this is the first book in the ice planet barbarian series there's like over 20 books in this series and there's a lot of like 2.5 like I think like books in between that talk about specific characters because I think each book is a different couple and then there are some like um follow-up novellas I think about those couples if you want so but this book really sets out the universe we're talking about here as you should say it's by Ruby Dixon I cut I you did. off before you could say her name I did say her name fine okay stop cutting me off then I don't have this fight anymore <laughs> I know you love the name of this female heroine brings back good memories Georgie. Oh, God. <laughs> Feels more appropriate here, though. At least she's not a fucking clown, I assume. Yeah, okay. Caitlin's talking about our Tessa Bailey episode, which we love Tessa Bailey, but Caitlin is, gives a hilarious She's review. a clown. Okay. okay. Well, here, she's just a regular human, okay. not a clown. Excellent. She's a prisoner. And our male hero is Vectal, and he is a local of the, the planet that they're on. Wait, can I read this little one-liner you have here? <laughs> Yeah. Kristen writes, a fun, shorter read about banging blue dudes. <laughs> Explain it. I was going to. I haven't even gotten there yet. Okay. Our human female, Georgie, is uh, about to go to sleep on uh, no, just like a regular night. She lives in, on Earth. And in the middle of the night, she is abducted by like little green aliens and taken to a ship she finds herself in a cargo hold with a bunch of other women they're all terrified they're these sort of strange aliens that come every day and feed them it's very clear that they are prisoners and they're being taken somewhere probably to be trafficked but they don't really understand what's happening there is one woman who was given a translator but it was like surgically injected into her or something like does not sound comfortable by her ear. And so she can understand the aliens, but the aliens can't necessarily understand her. Like it doesn't go both ways. So she mm -hmm. can understand them, but she can't like speak their language back. So at least there's one person that can kind of overhear what's going on. Something happens to the ship and the people or rather the aliens running the ship decide that they're going to detach their cargo load, aka the prisoners, on a planet and then go take care of the ship and come back for them and then transport them to wherever they were going to go. They decide to drop them on this planet that's extremely cold and icy. There's a lot of Star Wars references in the beginning of this book, like talking among the other the females on the ship, the women mm -hmm. on the ship. And when they kind of see what this planet looks like, they call it not Hoth. So if you're a Star <laughs> Wars fan, you'll understand the Hoth reference. But it's basically icy and white. 
somehow Georgie becomes the de facto leader of this group of women. I think there's only like six women at this point. And she volunteers to exit the ship and see what the hell she can find. They have limited rations and, you know, they they don't want to wait around because those aliens are going to come back and take them to wherever. So she gets out of the ship, finds herself basically at the top of a mountain. Like there's no vegetation anywhere nearby. And she has to go down and kind of explore what's around. She runs into all sorts of weird ass alien creatures, like trying to eat her and like bizarre things. And then at some point she runs into Vectal. And Vectal is, I don't know, like seven feet tall with horns. Their first interaction is very interesting because he smells her. And by that, I mean like smells like her person, but also like her arousal, even if she's not very aroused at at the time. And he recognizes her as his mate, like actual, like, oh, you're my mate in society. Like it's you. And like, I'm going to take care of you. And the first thing he does is go down on her when I think she's like passed out or Maybe she's not passed out. It's it's just it's their first greeting, and she's like, okay, I'm like I'm um, it's like an interesting greeting. Is this how we say hi on this planet? It's not so bad. <laughs> what? <laughs> she ends up kind of like sticking with him. They go. She finds he finds her food. Like he's very sweet to her. He just wants Can to they protect her. No, they can't communicate. But it's clear like he doesn't want to hurt her, and so she's like, well, maybe this guy can find me food and like to take back to my people or if he lives here like maybe I can get him to come up the mountain and help the other women come down which he eventually does but yeah there's a language barrier and you know eventually they do get back to the ship and that one woman has the translator in her ear and she's like yeah girl she's calling you like his mate and she's like what <laughs> I did not That's understand so that funny. but it's a really fun read it's lighthearted. there's like like lots of banging blue dudes that's what I said so it's more porn than plot it's not more porn than plot, but it's just, it's, it's like a, it's not a heavy read. It's not, it's just, it's fun. Yeah. It's fun. There's a little adventure, a new planet. I think the other books maybe start to focus on some of the other women characters who are there, but I don't know what they talk about in book 20. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's uh, cool. It's I'm glad you finally read that one because I have seen it like so many places. Yeah, it was, it was fun. You know, I don't know that I'll continue the series just because like I don't read super lighthearted like just fun romance yeah you know next you got to read whatever that pirate one is that people were talking about pirate one i feel like they're talking about pirates there's a whole pirate thing happening i did not hear about this yeah let me look it up i don't know what the book is i just know people suddenly (laughs) i just remember that one week on twitter it was suddenly like pirate come i was like i don't i don't know i mean uh that can't be more interesting than minotaur come I don't know. You gotta and tell how me. And how is pirate come different from like normal guy come? I don't know. Okay. I don't know. Maybe they're space pirates. <laughs> I'm not gonna find out. That's on you. All right. Last book I want to talk about is a bonus read, and the reason why it's a bonus read is because I should probably just save this for an episode whenever we just talk about alien romance. But it was so good, and I read it right after Ice Planet Barbarians because I got on a total alien kick. And this has been on my list for a while. It's called Choosing Theo. It is the first book on the Clacanian series. It's by Victoria Aveline. He is not a wild hero, but this is a cross of cultures and and, and a crash of cultures. And so that's why I'm sneaking it in here, even though it doesn't super fit. So 
this alien culture we're talking about, they are known, these people are, these aliens rather, are known as the Clicanians. Jade, our hero, is abducted by aliens from Earth and she is uh, taken to the society after she is rescued from these these aliens called Clicanians. And it turns out they have the same ancestors as humans. So they look very humanoid, except they sort of have these like, what she thinks are, they look like tattoos on them, but they don't consider them tattoos in their society. They're definitely way more advanced. And she comes to find out that, you know, Earth doesn't know about other aliens, but apparently a lot of other alien planets know about Earth and know about like everything going on in the universe. I wouldn't be surprised. Earth is considered like a lower class planet. Also, not surprised. Very, but apparently there is a rule in the intergalactic alliance that Jade can't go back to Earth, and she has to stay in Clacania, this planet, for a year to learn how to take care of herself under these new circumstances. There's more to the rule than that, but that's sort of like a brief summary. The point is, she has to stay on their planet for a year. This society of Clacanians is very advanced. Like I said, they, they look very humanoid. They actually look like really perfect. Like, And it turns out that's because they have a technology that will just heal you. Like they will run over and will heal you like, you know, wrinkles, anything like the appendix burst like it's just they do it to jade and she's like can i actually hang on to some of my scars because they're like meaningful for me and like i also have a tattoo don't take that but like they have they're very you know technologically advanced unfortunately they have been having a problem on their planet where there are far more males than females oh what a burden what a burden this whole planet is a reverse harem. <laughs> I knew we'd get the reverse harem in <laughs> well, here. Well, no, there is, this is not a reverse harem. I'm just saying, like, they would be a good candidate for it. In this society, as a ploy to literally save their species, all the men or males in this society go to a special training and school to literally learn how to be husbands. And once a year, at least once a year, each male is required to go to a ceremony where women pick them. And basically the women can hang out with them for like three months minimum and then go to another one. And the whole purpose is for like, obviously the women want to procreate, but they don't force it on the women. The woman is kind of the one, one in power. So these, I know you're like, I love this you know. <laughs> so the men are ranked on like how they cook, how they clean, are they good at sex? Like their looks, everything, how much money they make. And the women, like, get all these report cards on the men and also get to view them through a booth and kind of, like, select them. So our hero is Theo. He is a reclusive mercenary, and he kind of really dislikes this part of society. He goes once a year, as is required of him. But, like, you get the sense that all the other males are going, like, every time there's one of these events. And he goes his, you know, minimum once a year. So Jade, as someone who is going to have to acclimate to this planet for a year, has to take part of this process. So this, the time when she is choosing a male to be married to is happens to coincide with the one time that Theo comes to uh, get potentially selected. He has never been selected, and part of that is because the markings on him are actually a different color than the markings on the other uh, males in his society and he's considered ugly in his society like he's why does he have scars though can i get him he can he talks about why you oh, learn okay. about why that is but he's considered sort of scarred and unattractive and uh but to jade they look like beautiful tattoos so she actually selects him and everyone's like really you selected him like are you sure he's never been selected he's surprised he's been selected 
And she's the one with the power. So if she says, I'm selecting you, he has to invite her into his home. And so we get a forced proximity scenario where she moves in with him. He's required to give like a certain level of like, get you dinner and all these stuff, like buy you clothes because it's the law. But he also thinks that she might be a spy because he's a mercenary and he has a very secret job. And so she wants to make the best of this, but it's clear he does not like her. And there's some insta-lust there where she, he's like, okay, but for some reason I'm really attracted to her. And so it's a very enemies to lovers, roommate situation. It's, it's really good. This sounds amazing. Yes, yes. And this is the book I was talking about where he can like literally smell her arousal, but other males can too. And he gets like very possessive and he's like, these other males have to get out of here. They're not, because otherwise they're going to like take her. And I want to read the whole series because it's all about this society. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you got to make babies. That's what you do. There's a lot of breeding stuff in these breeding kings. And I will say that the way that the society also works is there's a language barrier, but you can easily get a translator. Mm. So. Okay. Bada bing, bada boom. That's solved. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Cool. Yeah. That sounds amazing. Um, That was my bonus read. Cool. (laughs) So a couple of honorable mentions. Mine is To Love a Monster by Marina Simcoe. This is a Beauty and the Beast retelling, and the hero is a monster, effectively, who used to be human, and he's living in this, like, reclusive... Well, I guess he's living in the woods, but he has, like, a home, technically. And the heroine is somebody who's, I guess, an... She has, like, a trust fund, so she doesn't really need to work. So she's in this community, ends up on his property. He injures her that first night, but then he saves her, and she ends up coming back, and they fall in love. What about you? I don't have any honorable mentions. What's to dance with the devil? It's not mine. Oh. I didn't read that. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And that's it for honorable mentions, I guess, for today. So, yeah, this has been Love and a Romance Podcast. Have you dated a wild hero? I don't even... There's some of these that just doesn't make sense, but tell me, have you... Does anybody pee Do outside you also on the have a horrible second date experience where your date did something uncouth and then you continued to date them for a long time? I just want more stories in general. Okay, you know what? I Have you ever I, rescued a reclusive hero from the wilderness? I have a lot Rehabilitated of Rehabilitated him and I, taught him about sex. Yes. Please tell me. It, if that has happened you can find us on social media instagram and twitter at love and underscore podcast you can also find us by emailing us at hello at love and yes thank you for listening go love yourselves bye lovers <laughs> <laughs>